Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? And if so, is he on the police payroll? And if so, what's he pulling down after taxes? Alexander Knox, he was a through line. He was a reporter. He was expository in many ways. I had to give exposition. At the same time, have some kind of comic relief, I suppose. And Tim let me play a little bit. He gave you that great freedom that you felt good to try something. You know, we'd always shoot what's in the script, always, always, always. And I'd, you know, suggest something if I could do it. He'd say, yeah, yeah, go ahead, which, which was wonderful. I mean, the scene where I walk in to the newsroom and the guy shows me the picture of the bat. And, you know, I said, very funny. And I said, what a dick. Tim loved it, you know. It's like, same thing with the curse of the wicker people. Everybody's always trying to be nice. You know, but Robert's got a natural kind of aggressive quality, and it comes into this picture. He's fast and very serious about doing it. And the interesting thing is, I was my character died at the end of the draft. I was supposed to die, and they were it was going so well. They said, you know, okay, we're going to have him live. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good. Now I can see. Now I, I, I see Batman Two, the annuity coming up here, right? Hannah's luck has it. They didn't use me in Batman Two. My character just kind of disappeared from the whole thing. Uh, Bill, will you marry me? Nope. Will you buy me lunch? Maybe. I eat light. All right. So uh, this episode. Uh, I guess is just the uh, shit talking uh, minute and a half we're doing for Batman '89. Uh, we uh, will be talking about uh, Terminator Two uh, after this this introduction uh, and tying it to Tim Burton's Batman. Uh, but we begin with Jack Napier, played by Jack Nicholson, and his uh, lover, um, her trying to. Uh, I don't know if comfort him uh, or just pay him a simple compliment uh, mm-hmm. as he looks in the mirror saying that uh, he looks fine and he responds I didn't ask and then like glares at her hand on his shoulder like my time for you uh, is over uh, but that also uh, goes into the uh, next scene uh, where we have our very obnoxious uh, reporter uh Knox is that the character's Knox. name yeah uh, played by the guy who was like Arliss? I think Arliss was like this uh, very unfunny like HBO sports show that ran like pretty much, I think in this time period, early 90s. Yeah. Uh, Robert Wool, who I'll just admit, that's the only reference I have to him. I was going to say, I remember him as like a 90s actor, late 80s, early 90s actor, but you never really recalled what he was in. So I'm, a, in Batman. I'm a little bit off on Arliss, I think, because it says 96 to 2002. I didn't know it was that... Late in the game, but yeah, his uh, IMDb known for Bull Durham, hmm. Batman 89, Arliss, and Good Morning yeah. Vietnam. So you have 88, 89, 87 as far as the films that he's known for. Um, he apparently was on uh, the DC animated Crisis on Infinite Earths, which came out in 2020, which I don't think is going to make our list. That he wasn't <laughs> reprising the role of Knox. It says Alexander Knox on there. Shut up. So, really? Uh, also on uh, Supergirl series, Alexander Knox. So that character in the endured <laughs> strange. Um, but he, uh, you know, he's just the, um, agitator, I guess, uh, in this right. world, uh, trying to get the authorities to reveal there is, uh, a character, a vigilante named Batman. Um, now this <laughs> guy that we have here playing, um, the cop. What is this actor's name? 
He's basically like the Bullock-like character. Eckhart? Yeah, I always remember that line uh, that, uh, oh, what's his name, uh, says, like, the, get, like, get me on the phone with Eckhart. And that's exactly how he says it. And I, wow. that, that, but other than that, I didn't know this. Really... So he, he passed away young, 57 in 2005. Oh, wow. Uh, hmm. He was uh, Jack Porkins. The uh, X-Wing pilot, <laughs> the chubby one that dies in Star Wars. Oh, no kidding. Uh, but yeah, he's known for his uh, Star Wars uh, Episode Four, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Batman, and Flash Gordon. So there's a particular generation where this guy as a character actor was, you know, he was in all of the uh, various fan bases of, of nerddom. Who is that, that actor that uh, Teddy liked so much that... Uh that would put him on the level of um, he's in all the films of, of the seventies, like dog day afternoon, Godfather, Godfather two deer hunter. He uh, used to date Meryl Streep. Yeah. The, the weak brother uh, in the Godfather yes. uh, series, which is, I've, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, also died young, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah. John Kazel or Kazale. I've always uh, uh, kind of flipped on the name there, but that's that's our '80s version right there. I don't know how Teddy would feel about that. He might say like that's exactly <laughs> right because I'm a fan of uh, Star Wars and probably Indiana Jones. I don't know about Flash Gordon. That fits. But for all we know, Teddy has a poster of him on his wall. William what we know Hoopkins played Eckhart and has got a great <laughs> voice for the character. <laughs> the absolute I don't give a shit. I'm drinking myself mm-hmm. to death. Uh, smoking. I'm eating like shit. packs of cigarettes yeah. a day, like all of that. It's, he's he's playing the uh, the dirty cop to the, the hilt here. Yes. Uh, so he is accosted by our reporter character to reveal Batman. Um, and then you, and you have, uh, as I said, Jack Napier. I I don't guess accosted, but you have two characters that basically have put up a wall saying, "Don't interact with me. I have no time for you." Uh, right. And I think it's more. Uh, this particular scene is probably just more world establishing uh, than anything of how uh, we talked about in our last Batman episode. Uh, the concept of Gotham being saved not only seems absurd, but offensive to the criminal element or the powers that be that profit off of Gotham being dangerous to the, uh, the everyman. Uh, here it's uh, I think it, we can tie it into Terminator two, which is um, pretty much the, the more you, you know, or the more you're, I guess, in the know, uh, you're going to be put into direct danger for trying to, to alter what is, it's already done. Like fate has already right. established this. The dies already been cast. It is what it is. Uh, and I think obviously Batman, his introduction here represents the ultimate agitator, even though he's not in this particular scene, uh, something is coming that is going to upend uh, the criminal establishment here, and people are are pissed about it. They're pissed that right. I mean, can you imagine this <laughs> X-wing <laughs> fighter pilot now having to deal with a man dressed as a bat in a latex suit? Uh, he already seems pissed that he even has to talk to another human being, much less deal with whatever the fuck this is that's coming down his way. So, well, you could say you you can make the argument for sure that if. He doesn't get, you know, I think he gets shot and killed in the, at the, the first factory scene or whatever that he, you know, if Batman would have been allowed to, to continue on in this mission against the Joker and the mob, he's probably going to be on the side of the mob, right? Like we, we know he's a dirty cop anyway, but looking at a, a Batman character, someone that's going to mess up my money, my pocket, you know, what I've got going on. And to your point, we've already established 
this is the tone. This is uh, the, the conditions through which people work in this city. It's very violent. Um, everyone is, is to not be trusted. Um, and even the folks that present themselves as those that you should be able to trust, like law enforcement, you have some of those characters that are, that are in bed with right the bad guys very similar to what we'll see in like T2 where on its face it's presented that you know the uh, you know the you know Arnold Schwarzenegger is the one to be feared right because that's the story that that we know that the kid's been told his whole life and that you would think that the cop in this universe is one that should protect you from the bad um but it kind of flips it on its head in that in that same way where you really can't you're really not sure who to trust. Like everyone that's supposed to be good, like the doctors, um, you know, all the techs at the hospital are supposed to be the the good. Um, but in reality, it's the dark brooding character that uh, doesn't emote that that basically hid in the shadows in the first film is the one that that is there to actually keep you safe, right? Like Batman, someone that drops down uh, on top of a building in all black late at night outside your house you're not gonna naturally assume this is the person that might protect me from the bad cop who's you know got a heart condition because smokes too much and <laughs> eats like shit but here we are in this universe i uh i think i didn't get it the eckhart character as a kid uh at least i wouldn't have initially in this scene i would have if i realized he was a cop i would have thought well why is he mad that batman's just doing his job for him and there's, there's part of me as right. an adult that's looking at this overweight guy that as you said is eating drinking smoking his way to an early grave uh i would think well that's good <laughs> it's less work for you someone <laughs> someone's doing your job for you and you just have to pick up the mess uh i don't think i got the uh i didn't probably get the dirty cop element that quickly uh right. I, they're i mean they're telegraphing it with his performance i'm not and i'm not knocking it i enjoy it very much i think there's an element of comedy just to the way he speaks that i i enjoy that uh, he's he's just had it up to here with the basic concepts of his job. It's funny to me that it's like it's like a doorman being super fucking pissed that someone even walks through the yeah. door, and he has to, he has to like check them before they come in. Like, it's like anybody that's had a career for a long time, and all of a sudden they're on autopilot. It's like the t a kid asking a teacher like, "When is this this paper due?" And they're like, "God damn it! Don't ask me again. We'll get to it." That's that. That's Eckhart. That's um. That's that's something that what you're I only get with age. That's the, you're only going to get. Yes. You, you, yeah. This guy's clearly identified to you before you even get into any possible exposition, which is going to be the following scene when he reveals more about his uh, dirty dealings with the criminal underworld. Um, I will say this as a kid, uh, Alexander Knox. I've I've never mm -hmm. liked him. I've always found him annoying. Wow. I think he's always played annoying. Um, so it's, it's harder for me to even side with him now, even though he's kind of on the element of good. Actually, let's, let's look into that now. Cause we're going to get more into his sort yeah. of role into it. Do you find him to be a genuinely, uh, sort of earnest character as far as his profession of doing his job, or is he not that far off from this dirty cop? As far as this just sounds like a funny story that will get me, that will advance me that I'm, I'm not genuinely interested in because the way he plays it, I, I don't think he's played as like noble journalist. It's like, there's a story here. Right. I think they, they, except for Vicky Vale, I think they present him like his profession is somewhat sleazy. 
And so he's just really, he's he's just doing his job. So it's two sleazy guys uh, because, battling it out in this scene. Yeah, it's exactly. The, the only difference with um, uh, Eckhart, right, is that he is against the grain of what he's supposed to stand for. I think they present him as a dirty cop. And I think they present Knox as a journalist, right? So not a moralistic perspective on it either way. He's a journalist, so they're all just like, you know, fucking annoying and asking you all kinds of stupid ass questions and running around with their, you know, the little yellow pad in their hat or whatever they're doing. I mean, this Whereas, is clearly not all the president's men. This is the old timey journalist right. that's sort of buddy buddy with the system. And it's like, we're all, hey, sure. we're all exchanging gossip here. Like, can you believe there's a guy dressed as a bat? Like, come on, give me something here to work off of. But you have to have a pre-existing relationship to, to be able to do that nudge mm-hmm. yeah. and wink. And no, there's, he, he, at no point do we see him with a cop like really doing that for the most part. And they're like, yeah, guy, we like you. We'll, <laughs> we'll go to brunch tomorrow. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, here he comes again. And that mealy mouth motherfucker. You're saying like they hate Robert Wool, the way he plays a character, uh, there's no way anyone ever develops that relationship no. with him. Like everyone is instantly annoyed by his, his presence. I, I feel like that's the one time we could all be the Vicky Vale, Kim Basinger kind of, I mean, like, that's how I feel like I would accept him. He would walk in and be like, hello, legs, or whatever he would say, and I would just look up at him and then go back to what I was reading, because I'm waiting for something more interesting. But to him, I think he's such a tryhard. Like, he, mm-hmm. that, that, that's a great example. He's a tryhard before we start using that terminology, and we probably shouldn't even at our advanced age, but uh, he is someone that goes... He goes real extra, and I think he finds it to be almost endearing, and other people find it to just be outright obnoxious. And even if he's aware that it's obnoxious, I don't really think he cares either. Like, if it's if I get this great quote about Batman, who cared that I annoyed you? Or if I get this, um, what is it, that, that give Knox a grant, as I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about, Knox doesn't care that it's like, well, he's just doing it to get rid of me. He's like, cool, grant. That's awesome. Is it weird that I'm now kind of fascinated by the uh, reappearance of this character, both in an animated film and on one episode of the CBS uh, procedural Supergirl? Like, I'm actually, like, I'm, as soon as we're done, I don't think it's I'm weird just close to you YouTubing. <laughs> like, yeah. show me this character. Like, you again. told me he was in it, and I was like, okay, well, he must have just gotten, he just decided he's going to go back to, you know, to this yeah, he was just going to hop on and take a job, right? And I'll be cop number three. like the You know what I mean? I didn't expect it to be the role of Knox because, and maybe you can speak better to this than I can, I just don't recall like that character propping up a lot. Like if you, just, if you tell me, yeah, um, you know, Kim Basinger has, her voice has been used like four or five different times. So I'm like, okay, Vicky Vale, not Knox. Maybe he's cool. He maybe would be cool the, uh, like the one like uh, like the McDonald's toys they would do where you'd have to, like certain weeks, like one week they have Batman, one week they have Vicky Vale, one week Joker, one week Alexander Knox. And that would be the one that they <laughs> would have cases of the shit. <laughs> they could not get rid of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, as, you know, as we both talked about at the start of this, uh, our own grand gesture here, you know, Batman 89 was important to both of us. I don't have memories of a McDonald's tie-in for that. I do have memories of uh, the cups from Batman Returns, uh, and everybody wanted Catwoman. When was the Catwoman cup? And I felt like <laughs> it felt like it was it was fucking months that it was the goddamn penguin that it was Dane DeVito's fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> and even the kids like I don't want to drink out of that. Like yeah, I want it just to have the whole set. Uh, and I still have those somewhere. 
uh, I'm pretty damn skippy that the Penguin one is in pristine condition, and Batman and Catwoman faded out, Not washed so like multiple times. Like, I'm sure our friend from Sober Cinema, Jared, probably got that Catwoman cup and cut the hole out of the bottom. I'll leave it. <laughs> so this is our episode on Terminator Two. <laughs> I hope you stick around for it. <laughs> if you are so inclined, check out Sober Cinema. Um, he was also on this feed. He was on our Sons of the Lambs episode. Oh, he was, yeah. And I, I compared him and to he the was a... semen thrower in that. So, see, exactly. So I'm just keeping it on brand. With what the we continuity know remains. Monster. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, yeah, stick around and uh, tangible Teddy. Uh, is back with us. Uh, I guess is what is he like regular guest? He's like one of those like the talk show appearances, but the person that's on like every other month like comes back. Mm-hmm. So uh, take that. For- just gives us just enough of him, and then goes away. I have not yet edited this Terminator Two discussion, but I think that's a safe bet uh, that we eventually get to his particular quirks. So uh, if you like that, uh, you're gonna get it at some point. But uh, Terminator Two. Uh, is a pretty um, pretty big contender against Batman 89 as far as legacy. Uh, and it's just sort of, it's remained in the pop culture conversation. So look forward to this one and uh, we will be back um, <laughs> next week. Uh, I'm trying to think what is the, uh, do you remember what the tie-in is to? Um, mm, what is, what was next week? The Terminator 2 Romance, which also features Teddy. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to hear is that junior? <laughs> Three grown men discuss their pleasure at seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger impregnated. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the very next episode. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot best. that. I can't, because <laughs> we've already recorded that, and there's no way I would ever have just been like, it's time to watch Junior, except for, God damn it, got fun Arnold in a rom-com. Oh, well. For a second, I was like, wait, is that on our Batman 89? Am I trying to think of how that connects real quick? No, it does not connect God. at all. It does not. <laughs> penetration. No shadow tone. Your whole tear. Compression should stop the bleeding. Who are you, people? Sean. Danny? Danny, I want you to come with me right now, okay? Show me your room. Very carefully. Nuclear wind effects cause massive cooling. Dyson listened while the Terminator laid it all down. Skynet, Judgment Day, the history of things to come. It's not every day that you find out you're responsible for three billion deaths. He took it pretty well. I feel like I'm going to throw up.
you're judging me on things I haven't even done yet. <laughs> How are we supposed to know? Yeah. Right. How are you supposed to know? Men like you built the hydrogen bomb. Men like you thought it up. I think you're so creative. You don't know what it's like to really create something, to create a life. Feel it growing inside you. All you know how to create is death Mom. and destruction. Mom! We need to be a little more constructive here, okay? We still have to stop this from happening, don't we? But I thought, aren't we changing things? I mean, right now, changing the way it goes. That's right. There's no way I'm going to finish the new processor. Not now. Forget it. I'm out of it. I'll quit Cyberdyne tomorrow. That's not good enough. No one must follow your work. Right. All right, then. Um, we have to destroy all the stuff at the lab, the files, the disk drives, everything, everything here. Everything. I don't care. The chip. Do you know about the chip? What chip? They keep it in a vault at Cyberdyne. It must be from the other one, like you. The CPU from the first Terminator. Son of a bitch, I knew it! They told us not to ask where they got it. Those flying motherfuckers. It was scary stuff, radically advanced. I mean, it, it was smashed. It didn't work, but it gave us ideas, took us in new directions. I mean, things we would have never... Th my work was based on it. It must be destroyed. Can you get us in past security? I think so, yeah. When? I've never... I, I realized... Now? That uh, I saw I bought a new PC a few weeks ago. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sure I can just get GarageBand on there and stuff. And I was like, no, wait. You can't get GarageBand on PC. So I had to... I was trying to figure out. I was like, "Oh yeah, I have Audition. I just need to download it." Do you have it through and, work or? Yeah, okay. I've got I've got Adobe uh, Creative Cloud through work, so I just downloaded. Where are you now? Because I know you left. Uh, well, actually, Lee so Haley. I'm actually still using my Lee and Haley account. Um, <laughs> Good, but uh, because because technically I'm going to uh, GE in Louisville, but I haven't started. Uh, I haven't actually started yet. I start tomorrow. Um, so they're supposed to get me Adobe, but I've been kind of a bum for the past three weeks. So I've just been using my, cause, uh, for the Adobe, you can use up to two, two computers on one account. So I've told one of the guys working there, I was like, just let me know if you guys need to add a new account or whatever. But in the meantime, let me keep using this. <laughs> so what's the doing? commute going to be like, is it that bad? Uh, it's like an hour and a half, uh, I haven't really tried it yet. I go. I actually don't go in tomorrow. I'm doing all my orientation stuff online tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But uh, Tuesday is my first day. But um, I think right now they're not really having people come in that often because of COVID. So <clears throat> I'm going to be working from home mostly. Um, That's cool. But um, I still have to go into the, to like shoot stuff. Like they're going to have like different studios set up, uh, kitchen studios that I have to go in and shoot different appliances and whatnot. But um, so other than that, I mean, hopefully it won't be too bad. I'm hoping maybe like three days a week, maybe going into Louisville, but because I'm, I the idea is to try to still stay in Lexington for as long as possible without having to 
move mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I figure if Derek can commute to Corbin or wherever it is he's going, <laughs> Wait, I can. It, uh, actually, another 15 miles past Corbin. Yeah. Yeah, you're going. His commute's longer than mine. So Derek likes that shit. Derek, right? You like the having the drive. I like the drive down. Um, but it's also drive back sucks. Drive back sucks, and it's uh, pretty much the five years I've been there. It's been like an average of eighty days a year that I drive down. The rest of the time I'm home. So it, that was that's kind of been the balancing act. It's two or three days a week, um, and then don't go down during the summer. So, but yeah, if you drive, I mean, it's four hours of total commute. Um, a day, and uh, pretty much a half over half a tank of gas. So yeah, it's kind of got the. I mean, you could record your new podcast with Dave in the car. You could just <laughs> pencil in some time. Driving with Derek and Dave, more alliteration. Uh, <laughs> Derek's been ignoring Dave's text messages about I've their project. I've not, and see, and I've been thing, uh, this throwing Derek under recording. the bus. <laughs> right. I told Dave yesterday, that shocks me, because all he talks about is how excited he is to work with you on this podcast. <laughs> I gave Dave a list of ideas of names and vice versa, and uh, over like the series of back-to-back 2 a.m. text messages, and then he you know, asked me about it again, and I kind of forgot to respond, but then he brought up something completely random like two days later, and then you know, we had dialogue. So I guess he felt as though mm-hmm. Derek is ducking me. Like hey, well, starting a new podcast? Hmm? You starting a new podcast, you said? Um, well, it's on pause right now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but we're supposed, Dave and I are supposed to, and uh, I, I think it, one night I was just talking about, like, hey, this is kind of fun, right? Like, I never really got into this this much. I'd hop on with Mike every once in a while. Um, but then when he asked me to come on to co-host with him, I was like, oh, this is actually really kind of this enjoyable you know, piece of escapism, right? Getting to do this. Well, then Dave was was like, "Well, why don't we start a new show together?" And I'm like, "Well, why don't we?" At some time in the future. And <laughs> so we've not really we've not jumped on it yet. We'll get there, though. I told him just to do pop culture case study. <clears throat> I told him just to relaunch it, and because sure. you you have two people that work in that field, yeah. Why are you trying to do something else? And it's already got some sort of brand identity. Um, or, you know, go with the subtitle of Drive Time Radio Hour with Derek and Dave, Derek in the car. But um, I don't know. He was kind of like, eh. I don't, I don't know. He just sort of, he, but, did, he didn't want someone more experienced in the field. Than <laughs> <laughs> See, I know that's going to pull the recording. I ain't saying shit. Mm, mm. <laughs> what do you think, Derek? <laughs> I think Kyra's going to love every bit of this. <laughs> yep. How does that make you feel, Derek? <laughs> God. <laughs> so we're talking Terminator 2 today. Yes. Terminator 2 Judgment Day on the Grand Gesture. And the only reason I'm saying the title of the show that you clicked on, because I think it's nonsense when hosts introduce themselves again, because you made a conscious choice to listen to this, is because we have Tangible Teddy back, who yet again needs to know what show he's on that he's going to talk on for the next you know, 40 minutes. So, Teddy, welcome to... The grand gesture. Thank you for having me. Do you know that if this is a show about love? Because you questioned that before. Um, it's like love and Batman, right? Something like that. There you go. That's not sure. bad. you guys like. Oh, well, you guys like pivoted like mid mid show, right? Like where it was about love, and then it, it, in 
pivoted hosts too. Like, cause I was, I did finally find the podcast. And I, <laughs> I noticed that uh, Dave was a, a host at one point and now it's Derek. How do you feel about that, Teddy? I'm okay with it. <laughs> Has it gotten better? Do you listen to it more now? Probably not since you couldn't find it. I only listen to the ones that I'm on actually. <laughs> Does it uh, does it hurt that I don't actually name you your real name? Like, I wonder if there's a tangible Teddy. Is there anything on Google that you can find that just links to these podcasts? I have no idea. Probably not I've enough never... appearances yet. That's what Hyro would say. <laughs> not enough. <laughs> you staked your claim to this one months back when we kind of kicked around this idea of uh, all the blockbusters that came after Batman 89. And obviously Terminator 2 has to be one of them because... I believe it was the most expensive movie ever made um, when it came out. That's not accounting for inflation or any of those type of numbers, but um, certainly was a huge hit and is known, I think, probably alongside, Derek, would you say Jurassic Park as far as the modern visual effects aesthetic? Probably, up until uh, the rest, I guess, throughout the rest of the 90s, right? So the 20th century. You would probably reference those two. I don't really think of anything else outside of those. Um, maybe Hook. I, I don't... God, Hook. Uh, <laughs> why does Hook keep getting referenced in this, <laughs> this show? I made a point to skip over Hook. On every episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I would say that uh, I don't know if we're going to have another leap like T2 and Jurassic Park because now, and you all can speak to this more as video game players... It's sort of like similar criticisms with uh, the newer generations, the newer consoles, where people are like, yeah, it's sharper and faster, but it feels like those huge leaps, there's been They're a gone. slowdown now. Mm. So I don't know if that's just nostalgia speaking, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll kick it to Teddy, uh, but upon rewatch for me, there was a little bit of that, like, still that, that after effect of, oh shit, like this is like seeing something new for the first time. I don't know if modern audiences would feel that way, but I distinctly remember... T2, and in particular Jurassic Park when I was a kid, thinking like those were leaps of bounds above anything that I'd seen before visually. Um, I I was probably too young to really realize it, you know, at the time. I, I saw Jurassic Park when it came out, but I just knew like, oh, these look like real dinosaurs. It's a little scary. But um, I didn't watch Terminator or Terminator 2 until... Um, I think after college. So I okay. missed out on So you're coming from that alternate perspective then. So what what did you yeah. think when you first when you got around to it? Like I'm assuming that puts you in like the mid to late two thousands when you were catching up with it? Yeah, it was probably around two thousand eight when I when I finally watched it. Um yeah, I I actually didn't realize that that was like groundbreaking um graphics and CGI at the time, uh computer animation that they were using for like the T one thousand. Um so it didn't really I mean, it still looked fine to me, but it didn't really, like, it didn't strike me as, like, cutting-edge technology. And Listen I, to I, this young buck just be so dismissive of his four, yeah. forefathers that came before. Yeah. It's no Avatar. No, I, <clears throat> That's what he's No, I, I would say, I say for me, I you know, that kind of came a few years later in uh, The Matrix. I'd say that was the first time, like, I watched a movie that I was like, oh, man, like, this is something that I've never seen before in terms of what they were doing with, like, the, kind of the bullet time with the... Uh, the slow motion and stuff like everything they were doing in that movie. So, um, but yeah, I mean, after going back and watching it for this, I did read up on it a little bit and realized like, Oh, this was like, this was the best thing going right at the time, you know, with, with what they were doing. So, um, 
you know, and I think it, I think it holds up to some de- degree. I mean, it's not the greatest when you when you compare it to like. I don't like the it, direction this is going. <laughs> Wait, this is the episode you want it to be on, right? To praise, t- it's going. He's gonna shit on it. I'm not gonna. Uh, no, no. This is a, a rope dope. No. Is what this is. Like, no, no. Don't book a guest for T2. I want that. And then it comes on. It's fine. I guess if you're old, it, it, you know, blew your hair back. <laughs> blew your hair back, but not me. The Matrix. That's where it was. Which it's interesting. You kind of bring that up because to me, the Matrix, which will be on this show, um, because you know it has to be if you're going with 89 blockbusters after Batman. I feel like that one's aged slightly worse. Just because one of those fucking, like, was it Gap commercials or Old Navy? Like, people went nuts for that bullet time look that mm-hmm. in the year or two after The Matrix came out, uh, I kind of didn't want to see it anymore. And I'm trying to think of T2, other than announcing that, yes, you can use computer graphics. I don't mm-hmm. really remember, like, the sort of visual cues being aped as much as with the matrix. Like the, what I'm saying is the matrix seemed to get ripped off quite a bit as far sure. as its visual language. And I don't know if Terminator two did because bringing that up with Jurassic park, those are still distinctly very different films, even though they're, they're sort of the Titans of special effects for the early nineties. I think about the leap that you were talking about where, and similar to, to Adam, we're pretty close to the, to the same age. I wasn't old enough to watch T2 when it first came out, but I did see it pretty early on. Um, and growing up, I was always a friend of, of 80s films, right? And so when you look at the, the jump, right, that uh, you're not really even still using a lot of, of computer-generated special effects in the 1980s. Uh, one film that we did previously on this podcast, uh, The Abyss, right? That it kind of gets uh, praised for some of its special effects with the, the aliens and, and all this. And it's, you know, looking back, it, I don't really see it, right? But I still feel as though when you jump from 89 to, to 91, that's a pretty big, pretty big leap to me. Like it's a, it's a big leap from like Batman in 89, thinking that that film came out just two years prior to what I see as far as, um, not just the computer generate graphics, but like the scope of the film. Doesn't it? I mean, it just seems like you're not on a set. All right. This feels big. In a way that I don't know if if previous uh, you know films in that same genre were kind of given that that leeway to really move like that. Again, that's just me. But and and for someone like Teddy, you know, you really like a lot of those '80s films too. I feel like um, you know you're a big fan of like The Labyrinth, right? Some shit like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell in your face you get wait. Uh, is it Willow? Which. Which little fantasy film? <laughs> Never I can see his face. You didn't like any of those. Um, what do you like, Teddy? You just tell us, <laughs> tell us the three things that you like on this planet. I, mean, I like 80s. The dick verse, like of course. The, the dick like, verse. Yeah, the dick verse. I like Dustin Hoffman and Danny DeVito. <laughs> and um, You like little <clears throat> little men? Is that what we're... That's why I, no, said I like Encino. Brendan. You see I like Brendan Fraser too. Oh, okay. God. All right. Yeah. yeah. Let's compare so. it to Encino Man next. We'll nothing little about Brendan. <laughs> All right. 
All right. <clears throat> Editor Mike's making a note to drop a clip there, and then we move on to our next <laughs> next topic. Hi, I'm Brendan Fraser, and I've fought mummies, and I've uh, swung from vines and smashed into trees, and I've even been to the center of the earth. But the one thing that I've never been able to do is to clap. I wanted to get into the idea that, for some people, Terminator 2... And maybe it's what Derek's talking about, where it's that leap forward, that cutoff from like one decade to the next. I think also tonally, there's such a huge difference between mm. the first and second Terminator that for some people, Terminator 2 is what they reference. And they don't necessarily ever talk mm. about or maybe have even seen the first Terminator because T2, much like Aliens to, to Alien, kind of has its its unique identity of this being this this epic action movie. Sure. Uh, whereas the Terminator is, a, you know, it's basically a, a slasher movie, except it's just got the sci-fi aspect of the, the machine or the monster that's always stalking and coming for you. That's, you know what? That's a really great point. And I'm, I want to make a comparison that's probably been made before. And if it's not, it's because it, it doesn't actually work as well as I'm thinking in my mind. But when you look at like the most decades, right, they bleed over. So the 90s, we, we talked about even with The Matrix, like a lot of that 90s shit, 99 bleeds over to 2000, 2001, 2002. Like that decade always has to find itself. And when you look at a film that comes out in 91 that's like, nah, fuck that. We're the, you know, we're the 90s now and we are, we are the grunge era. You know, we are, uh, even Guns N' Roses, like Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 going into like Nirvana and all that kind of stuff. We're not hair metal, right? Like, we're not like Terminator. We're not like a Guns N' Roses, like Appetite for Destruction. Like, we're not that age anymore. And that really does feel like a really distinct cutoff that you don't normally see at the at such an early you know, beginning of a decade. Um, you know, you, you could show this film to somebody and say, hey, this is, this is 1994 or 5. And I think, you know, maybe to them it wouldn't be that big a deal, like, if I was telling my nephew that. But to us, we understand distinctly the difference between, like, 91, right, and 1995. How it felt different. The world even was starting to change. And, go ahead, Teddy. What do you got? Okay. So, I will say, I didn't know what year this movie came out. Because <laughs> it, it does it does play with you. Like, so, the first movie came out in 84. And yes. it actually takes place in 84 in the movie. Whereas in T2, it's supposed to take place 11 years later. And so I was trying to do the math in my head. I was like, well, this this came out in 96. I was like, or did I do that math right? It's 94. No, 93. Hang on. But they're, 96. They're, they're, 95, hang on. they're trying to avoid 97, which mm-hmm. is awkward now. Uh, because was it August? Is it August 29th? 97 is the, for, the for, uh, day. Judgment Day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think because John Connor is what like he's supposed to be like eleven or twelve here or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, because um, this takes place technically in in universe, I think in like nineteen ninety six then, right? Because he was born in eighty five. Because they bring up, <laughs> listen, I'm going. I have a point. I'm trying to make this. like so. Movie the first one comes out in eighty four. Mm-hmm. She gets pregnant with Kyle. And then um, has John in '85 because they even bring up his date of birth on the computer records when T1000 is looking up, looking him up. So if he was born in '85, that means he, this would be like '96 probably when he's around the appropriate age that he's supposed to be in this movie. So it says '95 uh, um, is what Wikipedia is saying that 
Oh, 95. Well, give yeah. Or, yeah, give or take a year then. So he's like 10 in this one. Day. <laughs> Very either way, specific. Well, either way, I, I was I was taking that with a grain of salt. I was thinking like, okay, this is... So this movie must have come out in 95, 96. Mm. Then I looked it up later. I was like, oh, this was 91. I was like, okay, they're just playing with time at this point, you know. So, which is fine. I just... At, at the time, I didn't know... I was like, is this a 1995, 1996 movie? Like, feels a little older than that. Like... Because it does, it does feel older than that. They but. did, and with that, and on that point, they did somewhat luck out that um, that's right on the cusp of the internet becoming a, a mass like kind of consumer technology for the average person. Because um, you do see that with you know some modern films uh, that clearly were written uh, and didn't get made until after cell phones became prevalent how they have to bend over backwards to include that one scene where the battery dies or they lose their phone or something of that nature sure. uh, to come out. And it's interesting. Usually I'd say like, other than the fact that they're saying judgment day was 97. Uh, I wouldn't say that this particular piece of sci-fi pop culture has aged that poorly. Um, but usually science fiction films, they become kind of kitsch. Uh, to to watch later, like I, I mean, I think there's an affection for like Tron to a certain degree, but you know, clearly when they tried to go back to that about a decade ago, it's not it's not like Tron, uh, and even you know the Terminator series. We can go into that. They've had after T two, everything that's come afterwards has basically been a sequel to T two <laughs> that fails, and every five or six years they bring out yet another in the third chapter of Terminator, and they just can't quite move forward with it and i'm wondering if it's just because you know we're, we're saying this is a staple of what is capable on film to to push the medium forward and when derek was talking earlier about that i thought you know not to because i do like to shit on the marvel movies even though i enjoy them to varying degrees but because there's so many of them i can't think that like something like that like franchise filmmaking now is ever going to allow itself room to breathe to have a new era that Derek was talking about because you know you're never going to sit on the Avengers property yeah. for 7 years before you go to the next chapter. So it's just going to be marginal increases and probably like a marginal amount of enthusiasm that escalates like a you know like you're watching a TV series. Um so it's interesting that <laughs> the Terminator was right on the cusp of that before it kind of got into the weeds of having to sort of change how we the world i do wonder like teddy since you're hung up on this time period thing why do you think that they only set judgment day six years out from the release of the movie because you know most like you see something like blade runner the sequel that came out it was blade runner 2049 so (laughs) it's not saying you know blade runner uh 2023 like they're 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 saying that the flag is that far out there as far as for their sci-fi setting so it's just interesting that t2 is like no no six years from now that's gonna be the end of the world um i think that way it makes it a little more relatable and and what they're trying to accomplish like with the whole skynet and cyberdyne with uh the guy they go to talk to and stuff because he's actually already on he's working on the the project that's going to kill them all already you know poor miles and he he yeah. accepts this mm-hmm. burden, I think, pretty quickly because I I know, of course, probably just my natural inclination when I feel like I'm about to be assigned blame for something either at work or at home from the wife is to just deny immediately before I figure out like what <laughs> what's what's the scope of the devastation that I've wrought here. 
Um, and he's talking, he's being told, Hey, you, uh, inhumanity way to go, buddy. And I don't know if it's the fact that he's shot <laughs> before they tell him. So he knows they mean business, but I have even on multiple rewatches, I've always found it odd. Or maybe it's just like, man, this just showing that this guy is like actually coming at it from like the goodness of his heart that he can take on the responsibility on his shoulders and knows, he knows immediately what they have to do. It's like Arnold rips off the, the robot flesh shows the hand and he's like, well, yeah, I probably fucked up here. So I guess I got to blow everything up. Cause what is, <laughs> if things had worked out for that character, if he's not shot and killed and their, their attempts to erase the future, what does his life look like that he's committed this almost like domestic terrorist act? <laughs> and he's then seen just as crazy as Sarah Connor talking about robots and how he ended the world two years from now, but now he saved it. He's probably committed too, right? So, and you had to know that, like he's, when he's being told the story and he knows, okay, we're going to break in and blow this place up. He knows I'm throwing my life away. However, it is to save, you know, millions or billions of people or whatever. Going back to your question to Chad for Teddy about why this is place only what, you know, in 1997 and mm-hmm. it's second place in 95, uh, it's also probably because we want Sarah Connor to have to be that, like, somewhat, well, her and, actually, the Terminator, to be a protector for a kid. And so you can't go too far. I, well, I was going to say, I, you wouldn't wanna, really want to go too far away from him being young. But I guess it still wouldn't matter, right? Like, you could do the 95 thing and still say I think that's what the, the sequels have struggled with. It's yeah. Like, well, and yeah. even, do either one of you have a problem with... Like what, you know, the, I guess the, the idea is that if they remove all the evidence, it can't go forward because that's the sequel by its very nature kind of begs the question like, well, why don't the robots just try again? Why don't they, why did they pick, yeah. why did they pick this particular time to do it? And so in the first one, they're going to attack a pregnant woman who's a waitress and they think they could easily surprise her and, and in that bloodline here, it's because, you know, there were pieces of that tech from the future that they can then build off of. So now we've created like an alternate path to right. get to Skynet. But, you know, and I think that's probably maybe why the sequels haven't taken it. Just feels like, Jesus Christ, this could be endless. The amount of like, well, you didn't cover your tracks here. So now the robots found an alternate way to take over the world. And that's I always think the problem that, with time travel, right? Yeah. Like you're, it's Do you have always... any of those issues, Teddy with, or just, I guess with time travel movies, by their very nature, you kind of always wonder why was this the entry point to go back in time to stop something? Yeah, I think I think you almost kind of create a time loop and a conundrum where I think that's why uh, I personally I, I'm not a huge fan of the rest of the movies after T2, but um, if I had to pick a continuity, I would go T3 and then Salvation because at least that like they they stick with it. They don't keep trying to build on, t- like salvation builds off of T3. Like it doesn't try to say this is T3 didn't happen. Cause a lot of people try to go back and say T3 didn't happen because it just, it kind of re- retcons a lot of stuff from T2, I guess. But um, it is like a direct repudiation <clears throat> of the like, no fate, but what you make. Cause in Terminator, Terminator three, it's like, Nope, this was always destined to happen. And now yeah. it's acceptance. But I agree with you from a uh, film going perspective, it feels like that's the natural thing. It's like, we're eventually going to get to the war. And so if you mm-hmm. do jump ahead to a new trilogy, 
go to John Connor as an adult, go to wartime. When you get into uh, Genesis and Dark Fate, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't Gen- know. <laughs> Genesis was bad in that it just tried to reboot and it just was. It didn't stick. It wasn't very good. And then Dark Fate, yeah, they they brought back Linda Hamilton and and Arnold and tried to go back and say this is the sequel to T two because they're they're wanting to rewrite. They don't, they want to act like T three and Salvation and Genesis never happened, and but then they bring in another time traveler at that point. So it's just it's just an endless loop at that. Like, can we not can we not come up with another concept at this point? You know, to why why does it always have to be about time travel? Like we we we've established that happens. Like that's why I actually liked Salvation quite a bit, even though I know it was kind of mixed when it came out, mixed reviews. But um, I kind of I was kind of happy we we got away from constantly going back in, into present day to to deal with you know a terminator two terminators being sent back to deal with stuff you know like i don't know it just seemed like we're finally starting to move move ahead and get away from that you know and, and make make this series about something else do you have so. similar problems either one of you with other you know like back to the future is probably the other like time travel trilogy now there's i mean there's Stuff like Looper, more modern-ish uh, uh, time travel um, sci-fi adventures. But uh, do you have similar problems? Because Looper specifically has a scene where uh, the Bruce Willis character is talking, talking to Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, says, I'm not going to get into a conversation with you on time travel because we could just – basically he's telling the audience, we could go on and on, round and round about Ooh. this. Just deal with it. <laughs> this one yeah. thing happened and we're just going to go on this this particular mission. I think as long as you don't break your own in, in, in story rules about time travel, then you're okay. That's why I like Back to the Future um, for the most part, like all three movies, because the way they handled it, it didn't seem like they ever really broke their own rules with that. Like, I mean, somebody somebody could probably go in and, and nitpick and find something. But and for me, though, like the way they the way they handled time travel and the way they based their plot around it, it all made sense. You know, I think – you know, you go to the third movie and just say, well, they just wanted to make a Western. So that's why they did that, you know, but, um, like I think the one that gets the most zany is probably the second one, but that's also my favorite. Like, I think that one can get a little confusing, but without going too far into that franchise, I just think, I think they did it in, in a way that was right. And it didn't really, it didn't really tire me out. I didn't get fatigued from the time travel. Like, like I would from, because the thing with Terminator, I don't feel like the Terminator movies are about time travel so much. Like, I think that's a way to get, to move the story along, but they're more about, at the heart, it's just more about um, trying trying to protect Sarah Connor and then in turn her trying to protect her son, you know? And, and then this bond they form with whoever comes back in time, whether that's Kyle or the T-800 or whoever, you know, so. Without saying the, some of the sequels that came afterward would you say that that's what those are about as well or when they get away from that Sarah Connor uh, and John Connor kind of kind of storyline that's when they fail like I've not I've only seen uh, Terminator 3 and that was like years ago do they keep that that same like this is who we're trying to protect to stop the war or they just go all over the place Genesis makes John Connor the villain right I feel like I I will be honest. I haven't seen Genesis or Dark Fate. Um, so because Genesis, it, it is. I mean, you still have it's it's a reboot, Derek. So they gotcha. you still have uh, Sarah Connor and John Connor and um, and actually Linda Hamilton comes back for Dark Fate. So she's actually I, I don't know if John Connor is in Dark Fate or not. I assume he is. But spoiler alert for the first five seconds of Dark Fate, they <laughs> create a um, 
like a CGI Edward Furlong, and they have Arnold the T eight hundred shoot okay. him in the face in the first scene uh-huh. in front of Lyndall Hamilton. <laughs> so it is, it's there's a uh, uh, a hatred for John Connor and the, the modern Terminator reboots or attempted reboots, which is funny. And uh, I normally hate kids, and sure. I actually. Don't really hate Edward Furlong so much here. I think there's a little bit of that, especially in the uh, like the boy and his robot kind of bonding mm. that can become a little grating. But I kind of give the character, um, I guess, a little uh, wiggle room because his mom is in an insane asylum, and when we're introduced to her, the, you know, even in T2, there's a rebooted version of Sarah Connor. She is ripped. Uh, she's sweating. She looks like she wants to kill people. Like when they're looking at her through the little observation window, uh, we are far afield from her as uh, the waitress who doesn't really know what's happening to her just yet. So I actually kind of like these versions of the character. I don't know if it works as much as dark fate. Cause it's like, uh, Linda Hamilton's performance there is like, she's just been like angry and grizzled. For like, mm. you know, since T2, she's yeah. just become uh, this person that like hates humanity. Here, I don't mind it so much because she is she is the person shouting fire and no one is listening to her. Uh, so I, I understand it. Although, maybe not the best tactics. Like she has to realize that she can't be going on and on about robots all the time and not going to an insane asylum. You know, I, a comparison actually that I, I, I feel like makes sense with with uh linda hamilton's character here sarah connor's arc if you've ever watched um and you know you guys know i'm a horror buff if you ever watched the you know the original first two halloween films uh with jamie lee curse is laurie strode and she's just this young like unassuming uh high school girl who has this horrific trauma happen to her and you jump forward when they finally get back to that story arc in like h2o uh, where she's an adult and she's basically trying to warn everybody, like, no, there is a boogeyman that you have to be concerned with. By the time you get to like this, where they did this recent reboot in in some way, now she's just like this old gray-haired woman. The film's not good, the most recent Halloween, but she's basically what Sarah Connor is in uh, T two, right? She's like she is people like she's psychotic. She's this old grandma who walks around with a shotgun. And so it's like, okay, that's really cool. Like you're saying, the first time we saw, uh, you know, Sarah Connor <laughs> chiseled, uh, she just left the bodybuilding competition in T2. And you're like, man, that's that's kind of badass, right? Like the waitress is like, nah, fuck that. You're not going to ever mess with me or my kid again as soon as I get out of here. See, like you just we don't need to see how she got there. We know she's experienced enough trauma to make anybody be so hypersensitive that you would want to make sure I know where all the doors are, I know where the locks are at, I know where my knives are at, like that type of person. But how many films can you do that? All right, like you're saying, like you get well, here's to the, the place other now. Thing. Yeah, um, I'll I'll kick this to you, Teddy, because um, you're you're. Um... You're a comic book guy, and you're into, like, nerd properties. Uh, you're into Dragon Ball Z, for instance, which has insane, uh, from what I know of it, just power levels as far as the who, the who the good guys are facing. Do you ever feel like it's a little cheesy or uh, maybe too unfair that, you know, the first film, they send a robot. So shoot him. Can't be stopped. Physically superior in a fight. Uh, but if you crush him, it's over with. Here they go with a new form of technology, the liquid metal version, and it 
at times feels like I don't realistically know how anyone would survive this. Like if mm-hmm. he if he decided to run full tilt with his blade arms in your direction, I don't see how he doesn't accomplish his mission. Because some, sometimes it bothers me when I feel like the villain is so overpowered that you have to almost check out of even the reality of the film to understand how the heroes are going to accomplish this. Does, do you think it balances that well as far as the, like the overpowering nature of the T-1000? Uh, I think only in the sense of that you have you have the other Terminator protecting them. I think I think if you didn't have that, like if you it had a human be, soldier, for instance. If you had a human soldier, it would be highly unrealistic because mm-hmm. the only thing they've really established is that shotgun shells kind of slow him down. It, they don't kill him. They don't. They don't really stop him for that long. But they just kind of slow him down a little bit. And you know, I did appreciate that they don't actually come out and say, you know, there's no way to kill this guy unless we throw him in like hot lava or whatever it is. You know, like like they don't actually like try to come up with some way to kill him. You know, like what typical movies would try to do. Uh, it's just they it's it's a product of their environment that they're able to do this because they crash into this uh plant that has all this molten lava or whatever everywhere you know what i also like about that it's a product of the t-1000s uh developing i don't know if you'd want to say humanity derek uh that he talks shit in the moment before arnold comes back with the fucking bazooka or whatever he's got the <laughs> grenade launcher um he's wagging his finger he's doing the matumbo thing to sarah connor yeah. and i'm like you know buddy if you'd come out with the blade hands a little quicker and cut up john connor but but i like that because they established that for the good guy with arnold as the terminator that in his conversations with this child he can relate to a human mm-hmm. even though he he doesn't fully understand um, he can start thought- to empathize though I thought Teddy would be all over the whole, uh, you know, I know now why you cry. Because I'm like, oh, that's not going to play well with Teddy at all. Or he's going to love it. I was going to say, I thought Teddy would be crying with that moment. (laughs) He gets me. But I I like that the T-1000, I mean, the only thing he develops is he likes to trash talk. And that ends up being his demise Hmm. in that one moment. That that and he, um, you get the sense, the way he kills people early on, it's very quick and very, like, he's just very, very business-like. But with Sarah, you know, he played with his food. You know, mm-hmm. he, yeah. Because what would have stopped him from just killing her right there and then using her voice? Because we, they've already shown he can manipulate voices without having to ha- keep the person alive. So he could have killed her and still tried to lure out John. He wanted you know? her to break. He wanted her to betray her own son, which is a weird thing for a robot to care one way or the other mm. about. Yeah, like he kind of. It, I think there at the end, it's like that. Him trying to given to those human human emotions if that's what you want to call it you know i think that's what led to his demise in that sense and so, sorry go ahead no nah, that's pretty much it I, I was just wondering if so does he have the ability to extend this blade you know hand or or whatever the manipulation of his body can he extend that you know pretty do we know the limits to that because why not just like just zoom right across that like that walkway that they're on right through her head Right, like it's a it's a Mister Fantastic, you know, greatest lover of all time kind of thing. You can make that as big as you want. Well, I, they mm-hmm. they try to explain <laughs> that you know he can only take on the form of something that is the same size as him. So I think he does have a limit. But are um, you saying that uh, Robert Patrick has only so far small? He don't extend that. He's no Brendan Fraser. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> I fucked your wife this morning.
I just want to remind our listeners that George of the Jungle is not on our list of 89 <laughs> blockbusters <laughs> as much as Teddy wants it to be. Oh, God. The Mummy should be. <laughs> the Mummy, Actually, I, I think the Mummy is a fair, uh, I think, yeah. a, a fair call uh, in a, a throwbacky sort of way. That's, you know, when we get to that, we kind of, Derek, you, you said, like, even from Batman 89 mm. with practical effects and clearly being on a soundstage compared to T2. Uh, I feel like the mummy is kind of a hybrid of that, right? Like it's using all of the CGI technology and it may yeah. not have aged as well as something like T2 or the matrix. Uh, but it's applying that to the old fashioned serials of the right. time. So, you know what? I think, I think I'll add mummy to the list. I'm going to give a victory to Teddy oh, here. God. He's, now I've advocated for hook for months. Right, we're already past hook. And you mentioned the mummy <laughs> one damn time. That's a good idea, Teddy. <laughs> Let's go yeah. with the mummy. Although I think I prefer The Mummy Returns because I think there's a uh, lady-on-lady sci-fight in that one. I'm not saying the rest of the movie, but mm. I do enjoy that. Um, any, anything else on Terminator 2 before Mike pulls The Mummy Returns off his shelf for some casual viewing? <laughs> uh, I would say, like, you know, for me, it's it's definitely overall, it's it's... I still think it's the best Terminator movie. Um, I, I really, really love the first one a lot. Um, I think for a while, the first one st- was my favorite. Um, I think I prefer the first one in that I, I just like the smallness of it. Like, I, I just, I always kind of hate when things go up on a grander scale. I like, I like things kind of self-contained to a smaller story. But, um, but this one still keeps it to some degree. It's just a bigger spectacle. Um, and then I would say too, I'm not a fan of Edward Furlong. Um, I, the one thing I did appreciate about him, I mean, he, he did get a little grating with like, especially when he's trying to have those moments with, uh, with the T-800 where he's trying to tell him like, teach him stuff. But also the, uh, when they find out Sarah Connor has run away to go to, uh, to Miles's house and he just starts like getting this high pitched, like other frequency, like freaking out. Like, I can't remember what he says exactly, but it's like, it's really bad acting. Like we've got to and, save her or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. But this would probably trouble you, Teddy. I read that, I guess he hit puberty during film, like filming. I don't know if it took place over like seven months, right? It was a long shoot and they had to go back like pretty much. I think every scene of his, uh, this is why I will piss you off is ADR where they modulate his voice Except for, I think, the scene um, in the desert where they're talking, like, when they're fixing the truck. I think that might be the only scene where it's his actual voice with no uh, Christopher Mm. Nolan, Christian Bale manipulation. That could explain my issue because it just, something felt off with his voice. Like, something felt really off with it. And, um, but the one thing I did appreciate about him is he was kind of taking the place as the viewer where, um let's say when, when they're explaining the stuff to miles about, you know, judgment day and everything and Sarah Connor, it just keeps interrupting. Cause she's just like, Oh, she's hungry to kill people. Like at that point, she just wants to stop things. And, you know, and John's just like, Hey mom, how about you cool it a little bit? Like that's not helping anything. Like he does kind of help move things along and like, just kind of, he's, he's very sensible in that, in that regard. So I will say like, he's not a typical little kid in a movie where, where you're just going to despise him the entire time. But um, I would say the voice, I think that is what it was. I think it's the voice that really just kind of got me. And that would explain quite a bit as to why something fell off with his character. But all in all, pretty solid movie. 
<laughs> I'm glad you picked it for yourself, Teddy. Oh, man. T2, yeah. mark it down. I, I want to be on that one. I feel like I have to defend this film. Like, <laughs> no, no. That's, that's the thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, dump on it. Like, I just, I just think it's, you know. It sounds like you think it is at least a little overrated. No, I don't say it's overrated. That's not what I'm saying. Like, I just have an issue with, um, kid actors sometimes. Can I ask you if, if, uh, you saw a list that had it as the, uh, top one or two greatest, uh, action or sci-fi films of all time, would that, would that bother you? Top one or two? Yep. That's what I said. One or two. (laughs) What do you got? I think it would. And I think a lot of folks see it as as maybe the greatest action film ever. Or at least... No, it's not the greatest action film. (laughs) So a little overrated. No, it's not. I mean, God. You tried to make me shit on this movie, and I'm not, like, I don't hate it. I can't make it what you are. I really like this movie. Yeah, This and, uh... What else, Derek? Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think, would be up there. If you're talking about just an action adventure movie, like... Uh, I think this one rides that line. Like, for me, The Matrix... It's competitive because I think, Teddy, that's a good pull because I'm trying to think of sci-fi films. Because when I think science fiction, I think, and this isn't me shitting on it like Teddy's doing with the T2. I think Uh a little bit more thoughtful in the sense that it's more about ethical decisions, which this one has. Sure. But The Matrix also has that, and they have scenes like T2 where they go into their armory and say guns, lots of guns. Like it's Those are the two. And, you know, for me... Uh, I go with the Terminator because Arnold walks into a biker bar naked, and I don't remember Neo doing that at all. <laughs> Which can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> <laughs> you have a man that looks like Arnold, a man who he was what Mister Mister Universe was at the top tier bodybuilding Olympia, yeah, for like seven years. Now, granted, that's you know this is uh, you know probably fifteen years out of his right. competing days. He's still Arnold. He's still a massive man. That guy walks into a biker bar, a pool hall, naked. Mm-hmm. Do you immediately start laughing? Like, I understand later, if you exit that bar, you're home with your buddies. You're like, man, that was fucking crazy. That huge Austrian dude just walked in <laughs> buck-ass naked. What was he doing? But when he approaches you, do you start giggling at him? I There's a little more fear for me, is what I'm saying, as far as, like... Clearly, much like we were talking about Linda Hamilton's look, she gives the mm-hmm. medical professionals, you look at that and you're like, um, there's something dangerous here. And I don't care how stoic Arnold's face is in that moment. He's still completely nude and says he wants your clothes. I think the idea is the biker bar culture would suggest like this um, machismo and I'm a badass <laughs> here too. homophobia. Hey, I was going to say that, yeah. So so you go, you're not going to walk in swinging your dick in front of my face. <laughs> Because here, we don't deal with that. We are the ones that wear the leather and <laughs> will stab your ass. And I, honestly, that that's kind of the, the, the suggestion. I think that's the suggestion you get, like a naked man walking in. We don't want any funny business, is the is the idea. And maybe I, I read that wrong, but even the fact that you even went that direction before I said it would suggest that, that that's kind of, that's that's how you play that out, that's, that scene specifically. Um. Real quick, just on a side note, but going back to what we were talking about uh, with top one or two movies, like I well, think, look I think at Derek, this blatant homophobia. He doesn't want to engage with the naked man scene, like me and Derek. 
It's not that. It's not that. <laughs> I, just, I don't have. I don't have anything else. I, I agree uh-huh. with both of you. I have nothing else to add to that. <laughs> um, no, because I. I think because I'm sitting here trying to think of a better science fiction or better action movie that I would put above this, and I think what I would have to do is say like science fiction wise, I think Terminator One is a much better movie. Hmm. Um, but on the action front, because it's just James Cameron, you know, at his finest, I think I think Terminator Two is a better action movie. So I would definitely put that in a top top three action movie paradigm. Whereas I think the first Terminator is a much better science fiction movie. So I would put that higher than Terminator Two. It's kind of like Alien and Aliens, like Mike was talking about earlier. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Because I, I love both those movies, but they feel so different. Um, and he's kind of done... I know James Cameron did both Terminator movies, but he kind of did to the first Alien mm-hmm. uh, what he did to the, his first Terminator movie. You know, he, he turned it from science fiction horror into action, you know. What I... You know, what you're talking about with sequels and their scope, right? Like, they always try to go... We, we always try to... Times two, times three, times a thousand. We go bigger. Yeah. That's the only way we're going to keep people invested, right? We can't just extend the story. And I agree. I Listen, I totally agree with you. And that's usually the failings by the time you get to the third film. They just go way off track, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can totally see it. I still like that for, for whatever reason in, in Terminator 2. The, the issues I feel like you guys have with it, like with kids, because you all hate children. I'm the only person mm-hmm. on the pod that has one i guess that's why i'm a little bit more sensitive to like yeah well i mean he's okay like like that's how i feel about it. he's okay i enjoy the the idea that and this is one of the earlier films i feel like we see this like a wisecracking like cursing little asshole kid i feel like every movie that that came before that and i could be wrong but most of the time you're looking at like a 10 or 11 year old that didn't act like that in film right like he's he's a he's a deviant and it, sometimes when they try to do that now, it, it can be grating because it's like you're trying too hard, right? When you see like the, you know, like the twelve year old say shit, but they say shit like twelve times in the movie, and you're like, okay, we get it, you're cursing, you know how edgy. I feel like with him outside of the squeaky voice, and that's kind of explained in some regard. He kind of seems like an asshole kid, right? He doesn't seem like he's playing yeah. an asshole. You look at Edward Furlong, and you're like, yeah, you'd be a prick. And so maybe that's a service to either how he played it or the fact that maybe he really was in real life. I don't know. But that kind of worked for me. And his relationship with Arnold did, or with the Terminator, until the, the like, don't leave, you're my father figure kind of stuff. At the same time, I could also see how that would happen to him without not just having a dad around, but not having a mom around either, that he's going to attach Right, like to to any adult that's going to really seem to care, um, whether it's human or not. So I get it, even if I don't love it. Yeah, you're a little prick kid. Sure, Uh, having someone at your command that's shooting any problems in the kneecaps in your way. That's a you know. You all love that. Like we'd like that now, right? (laughs) It is the, I mean, literal manifestation of a kid's toy come to life. That protector. you all both have big violent. dogs, right? Like I, that you enjoy going on walks with. That you know, no one's gonna fuck with me. I got, I've got, I got the beast. And you're... That's. Do you feel that way, Teddy? You have you have huskies, right? Uh, well, I have one husky and a border collie. Yeah, I didn't know that. There is, is a Siberian husky known as some sort of <laughs> killer hound from hell. Yes, <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know no, about actually. dogs, but they're bigger dogs. Here's my point. I have, I have a pit bull, Derek, so yeah. you're right on my account. Mine, okay. I, I admit, because I, I walked Brody, who is a 
Catahoula hound and people would say he's cute and I walk this pit bull and they don't say anything or they cross the street. <laughs> so yeah. it is, yes, it is a different mentality. And yes, I do enjoy it. It's nice. Yeah. Edward Furlong. Huskies have that illusion. People are afraid of them, but honestly, they, they don't bark. So they would never tell you. They would befriend an intruder before they would actually attack them. So, but you don't tell the intruder that, dogs. right? No. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast, do not come to my house. Um, real people, quick, people made that decision anyway. Rabid, well, <laughs> his rabid fan base. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got two more points I want to make, and then I'll shut up. Okay. Uh, one, um, I think you can't have a you can't have a kid actor, which I think Edward Furlong was fine, but I, I think the ADR thing was what bugged me. Spent a lot of time in Nicaragua and places like that. For a while there, she was with this crazy ex-Green Beret guy. Running guns. Then there were some other guys. She'd shack up with anybody she could learn from so she could teach me how to be this great military leader. Then she gets busted. Comes like, sorry kid, your mom's a psycho, didn't you know? It's like everything I've been brought to believe was all made of bullshit. I hated her for that. But everything she said was true. She knew. And nobody believed her. Not even me. Listen, we gotta get her out of there. Negative. The T-1000's highest probability for success now will be to copy Sarah Connor and to wait for you to make contact with her. Great. What happens to her? Typically, the subject being copied is terminated. Shit! Why did you tell me? We gotta go right now! Negative. It's not a mission priority. You will fuck you! She's a priority to me! Hey, goddammit! What's your problem? Goddammit! Help! This does not help our mission. Help! Get this psycho off of me! Help! Help! Help me, get up, get the cycle off of me! Let me go! Why the hell did you do that? Because you told me to. What? You have to do what I say, huh? That's one of my mission parameters. Prove it. Stand on one foot. Yes! Cool. Well, Terminator. You okay, kid? Take a hike, Bozo. So let's get out of here. Fuck you, you little dipshit. Dipshit? Put your leg down. Did you call moi a dipshit? Grab this guy. I can't believe he called me. Ah! 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 Get him off of me! And now who's the dipshit, you jock douchebag? Get off of me! I'm a Terminator. Listen to me very carefully, okay? You're not a Terminator anymore, right? You got that? 
You just can't go around killing people. Why? What do you mean, why? Because you can't. Why? Because you just can't, okay? Trust me on this. I'm gonna go get my mom, and I order you to help me. I think the one the one time they really got a kid right was in Kick Ass with Hit Girl, because um, hmm. that's someone who who spews language yeah. and violence, but is like I I loved every minute of it as compared to some random kid in other movies. Well, but, it's because it's a girl. Uh, do you think? I mean, I know that no, sounds silly, I, but either way, I think if it was a boy or a girl, okay. I mean, I think it was even cooler if it was a girl. But I think, yeah, I think if. If it had been a, a kid, any kid at that point, I don't know. I think it would have been funny. But the other thing I want to bring up really quick is that last shot. The, the balls of James Cameron to do this, where you have this scene where, where Arnie's going down into the pit. <laughs> and he, at the last second, he gives the thumbs up. Like, like Not what do you think about that? <laughs> I, I, no, I, I think Teddy loved that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, that's I, a Teddy thing. Yeah, that's one of the best scenes of the movie right there like i was like this is that's a great way to cap it off i i thought it was ballsy what did you guys think well that's a pro athlete on a stretcher letting the fans know i'll be back <laughs> i'll be back for terminator 3 is that what that was i i i like that moment i i did wonder how it would age as i got older because certainly as a kid when i watched this um you know, you need a little bit of levity. I mean, it's a robot, so it's not like right. he's howling in pain. Even though, man, the T one thousand throws a shit fit. That's what, going back yeah. to the trash talk. He mm -hmm. just uh, <laughs> he's splashing around. Down splashing there. around. He's he's playing the hits. Every every person he killed <laughs> and impersonated. He's giving you one last look as he takes his bow. Um, so I, I guess I appreciate as a child the dignity with which Arnold's Terminator goes out, and yeah, the thumbs up, which you know I don't know. How much that makes sense because his his head is consumed. I'm like I don't know I don't know where the uh, operating system mm -hmm. is located. I guess in the thumb. <laughs> Once the thumb well, goes, I think it's still in the head, but it doesn't completely go offline until after he's because they go they go to that screen of that there, POV. There must be after. some sort of blue screen of death for Terminators where it's like you you give a consoling thumbs up before you completely <laughs> shut down. It was probably the the lava or whatever the fire was probably like singeing everything. It hadn't gotten to the OS just yet, and right yeah, before it went off, CPU yet, it, he did that. That's what we'll yeah. say. It's probably one. It's probably like the wink, wink to the fans, or not to the fans, but like to the audience. Like, okay, fun movie, fun movie. But it's probably also suggesting this is something he's that's humanized him that he's learned in his relationship, and that's the lasting thing that that um, you know John Connor has right. Like I connected yeah. with him on this human level, and I can thumbs up. So. That's a good point. I, mean, I forgot. I forgot about that scene. That's how we want uh, all you know fathers to abandon their children. If he's the, if he's the father figure, he's not slipping out the back door. <laughs> he's, he is saying, "This is the end of the relationship. My mission here is complete. You are now a man." Although I do wonder, like you know, for all the talk we've had of the sequels, what is the sequel for Sarah Connor and Kid on the run? You know, going, I assume, to Mexico, going on the lam, assuming different identities. When, you, <laughs> when you're John Connor, and you've been told your whole life, and maybe you didn't believe it until this point, but he certainly believes it now, um, that you're the savior of humanity, and you're going to be the greatest hero this planet has, has ever known, <laughs> and then that's taken from you. Like, mm. 
you you did the job, but right. you didn't really do the job. Your Terminator did. How do you have a normal life if you're John Connor? Like, ignore the sequels. Let's say that they this was actually they they uh, diverted Judgment Day. It's no more. Um, at least you know, you know whatever we do to the planet is fine as humans, but no robots. What is what is John Connor's life like? How fulfilling is it <laughs> when he just gets a job in insurance or he just sells cars or something? I mean, what that is can. a completely different sequel. Do you do you think his mom would let him do that? Because the impression that I would get from watching this, and and maybe it's tainted some by the sequels, but I get Sarah Connor is the type of person that even though they say it's over, she's going to be prepared no matter what. Hmm. So I, but do you I still feel like she's going to have some sort of. Like she's like a, a veteran coming back from war. Like, is she going to be looking for fights that are no longer there? I think she's still going to be taking him around to these different these different places and training him. Like, like what she was doing before she got incarcerated. Like, you know, like trying to trying to still instill all these different skill sets into John. Um, because at this point, uh, they have to go change their identities because they can't go back and live a normal life, right? It's. it's I mean, they just they just committed acts of terrorism. Uh, <laughs> Right, you it's, know, it's almost like what happens to uh, children whose parents have like schizophrenia. Honestly, it, it you have a situation in which you're brought up in an environment in which uh, you know the parent has like these delusions or these odd beliefs or these odd practices, and you know obviously because of their condition. And what gets bestowed upon the kid is even though they may not have schizophrenia, they have really freaking odd ways of doing things. Right. So like he's going to exist in a world in which, whether this is true or not, he's thinking war's coming, and he's thinking that he's the the basically the Messiah. So let's say let's say she really was like out there, and none of this stuff was true. There was no Terminator, yada yada yada, and she just made him believe all this stuff had transpired, even in his presence. Right, like the Terminator came down and saved us last week. Don't you remember? You're going to have a, a a guy that grows into an adult who has a lot of problems. And he's going to be seeking out, like, how do I save humanity? Probably every single day for the rest of his life. Because all this is happening at, like, the formative age. So it's not like he's going to get to be 19 and be like, ah, you know, it's like a a child celebrity, right? Like, they have all this stuff happening in their youth, and they really can't, like, get back to normalcy. I'm kind of uneasy, because I'm like, I don't, I'm not up to date on my Edward Furlong thing, but I could make a safe assumption that there was probably some arrests due to drugs or something of that nature, yeah. like a lot of child actors. It's the exact same thing. You can't, you almost don't know how to exist in this, in this, uh, this like normal timeline because you experience probably shoot up a school or something because <laughs> like, Whoa, hashtag what? get me out of here. <laughs> well, you heard him when he was talking to, to Arnold where he's like, all the other kids are into Nintendo, but you know, I'm, my mom taught me all this stuff. So he's like, and this, and this is the point where they uncover that, like, that machine gun, and God, I hope you're like, blaming okay. Columbine on T2. <laughs> no, I'm saying John Connor is going to be Columbine in his universe, like because he's just never going to be able to put it up. He's got he can't put it away. You know? So are you saying the tragedy here is that they succeed, and he goes? It's the Dark Knight aspect where he's Harvey Dent, where he <laughs> he starts out he's as the lived. hero and lives long enough to become a mass murderer, a mass shooter. <laughs> That would be honestly. That would be the T three that I think would be the most like respectful. To the content. Okay, I won't call it respectful to the to the content, but uh, 
Teddy, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I would like to see that movie where uh, you jump forward ten years and he's he's full blown psychotic. I think I think you jump forward to to where you could actually cast Edward Furlong because <laughs> man, that guy looks no. haggard. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's we got 57 minutes of content. That's pretty good. Before Teddy goes off the rails. <laughs> I'm trying to let's find an updated picture of him. What was his last movie? Uh, probably Detroit Rock City. <laughs> American History X was... Yeah, I don't know of anything after the, that. Black his last Black credit Knight. is Dark Fate, where it just says, play John Connor reference, which just means that they drew him <laughs> like the... <laughs> Uh, something called The Reunion, 2017. Um, yeah, I'm not recognizing anything, but he's, he's still around. Teddy says he looks like a rough customer now. Yeah, have you seen, seen pictures of him as an adult? IMDb clearly does not have his, uh, his uh, just go to picture. Just Google it. Mm. Just Google it. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> I don't know if I want this in my search history. For long now. Ooh. Stop being, <laughs> stop being <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, um, <laughs> Looks like he's in a uh, courthouse here. I don't know. He's got a microphone in front <laughs> of him. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to make this the. Uh, I've been editing on my iPad, Teddy. And you can just put the image that you want for the individual episode as a to supersede, you know, using the the podcast art. We've got a winner here with little this little picture, <laughs> Eddie Furlong. Uh, there we go. I'm gonna put it in the thread for Derek to enjoy, and then we can we can move on gracefully, like Edward Furlong has. <laughs> but I hate when he. Oh no! That's that's one of my saw. Yeah, it's like the cashier at the gas station. <laughs> oh lord! Telling them, <laughs> I once saved the world. <laughs> my mom stopped me from achieving greatness. <laughs> so he's trying to pick up seventeen-year-olds <laughs> in high school. As <laughs> <laughs> <his> minivan. <laughs> well, that's a, man, how do you cut that trailer for Terminator Three? <laughs> All right, that'll do it. <laughs> Teddy, we'll be back for our uh, follow-up episode on... Uh... I'll be back. <laughs> you know you woke up this morning thinking, I'm going to fit that in somewhere. All right, I'm going to hang up, and we're going to start the junior one. <laughs>